0: Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Dow of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Dennis and Drew and Justin. Good to have you guys today. I want to give a big thanks to Craig for filling in for me last week. I haven't heard the audio yet. We're a few weeks ahead. I think I just posted the fourth verse, maybe. So we're six weeks out. So I'm going to post those a little more often than a week and try to get caught up there. I want to thank Craig for filling in. Today we have the 10th verse. For any announcements, go to buddyc.org. Lots of good resources there. We have a bookstore too under the resources that have a lot of the books that we use and some that we've used in the past. So if you go back and listen to prior episodes, we're in the two forties, I think on episodes. So we've got several years of episodes there in the podcast. Most all the books we have used or referenced are in the bookstore. So you can go to the bookstore and do a, a control L find and put in the, the, Name of the book you're looking for, and it'll you, it should pop right up. That's also a way you can support what we're doing too. Is use our link, go to our go from our book link to Amazon, and we'll get a little percentage off of whatever you buy on Amazon. So good way you can support what we're doing here. Uh, also, I'll mention a daily Dal recovery devotion that uh, I'm writing. There's a sign up there on the website as well if you want that daily. Dao devotion. I think there's 250 folks getting that. So make keeps me accountable and keeps me writing. That will always be free from the website. We will eventually publish in a, a daily reflections type daily book, probably sometime next year when I feel they're to the point that they're ready. If this speaks to you, I think that would probably speak to you as well. So let's get on to what we have for today. The tenth verse of the Dao De Ching and how it's relating to our recovery today. We're all addicts in some form. I'm an alcoholic. There's other addicts, other different forms of addiction here as well. We're going to discuss what this verse speaks to us right now, and how it relates to our recovery. And if you're new to the podcast, the Dao De it's spelled. T-A-O-T-E-C-H-I-N-G is a manuscript that was it's about 2,500 years old, and it was ancient at that time. And it's a Chinese manuscript of really the best description I know of, of the higher power. I've not found anything else that related to me in regards to how we approach a higher power of recovery than the Tao Te Ching. I was amazed when I started reading it and how well it resonated with my thoughts of God, so to speak. So hopefully it'll speak to you as well. Who has a translation of the verse they would like to share?
1: I've got Stephen Mitchell. Go ahead, Drew. Can you coax your mind from its wandering and keep to the original oneness? Can you let your body become supple as a newborn child's? Can you cleanse your inner vision until you see nothing but the light? Can you love people and lead them without imposing your will? Can you deal with the most vital matters by letting events take their course? Can you step back from your own mind and thus understand all things? Giving birth and nourishing, having without possessing, acting with no expectations. Leading and not trying to control. This is the supreme virtue.
0: Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone have a different translation they want to use? Let's see what Jonathan Starr has to say. Hold fast to the power of the one, it will unify the body and merge it with the spirit. It will cleanse the vision and review the world as flawless. It will focus the life force, and make one supple as a newborn? As you love the people and rule the state, can you be free of self-interest? As the gates of heaven open and close, can you remain steadfast as a mother bird who sits with her nest? As your wisdom reaches the four corners of the world, can you keep the innocence of a beginner? Know the primal force that guides without forcing that serves without seeking, that brings forth and sustains life, yet does not own or possess it. One who holds this power brings Tao into this very earth. He who triumphs over a raging fire or the freeze of winter weather, yet when he comes to rule the world, it's with the gentleness of a feather.
2: Huh.
1: Lots of lines in there about I, I like the line in there about not about loving and ruling without your self-interest. Can, can you get yourself out of the way? The one in the Stephen Mitchell uh, version, can you deal with the most vital matters by letting events take their course? And that sounds a little paradoxical to me. I think the most vital matters are the ones where I need to impose my will the most. I, I, I need to control them. They're the most vital. How can I just let everything take its course if they're the most important things? But that's really the key to accepting whatever happens with those vital matters. Getting myself out of the way.
0: Isn't it the opposite, Drew? The things that are the most vital, we need to let take their course, right?
1: Mm -hmm. And and the people closest to you getting your self interest out of the way. Uh, Can can I do things for the people I love without thinking about how is this going to benefit me? How what are they going to think about me? Making sure that um, making sure that I'm taken care of while taking care of somebody else.
0: Really, all letting go and acceptance, isn't it?
1: Acting with no expectations, focusing on the process instead of the result
0: somewhat like turning our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him
2: Mm -hmm.
3: much like the third step. I can really relate to that as well as, as a father, man, I'll, I'll catch myself after the fact of not leading without imposing my will all the time. The beautiful thing now, though, past few months is that I can catch myself a little bit faster. Um, and just turning that back over and the constant learning. The other line in the Stephen Mitchell verse that stood out to me at first was, can you let your body become supple as a newborn child? Um, I think there's something in the Jonathan Star version as well. It's just that it will focus the life force to make one supple as a newborn To me, I guess what comes up first is something I've heard recently is dying to self on that. I don't know if it's necessarily just restarting, but more of that giving up one's will as much as possible and just to surrender. Justin, you think that's the second step, the the restoration to sanity?
0: Oh, sure. I think that's what the restoration is.
3: Yeah. Got to remember that along with the third step.
0: Yeah. I wondered a long time what it meant to be restored to sanity. When was I ever seen? I, I, I didn't understand that. So I set it on the shelf. I said, Maybe one day I'll understand it. I'm not going to try to understand it right now. And then one day I just like I knew what it meant, but just, oh, I know what that
3: means. Yeah. the next is can you cleanse your inner vision until you see nothing but the light? That's exciting to me. I want that. Thoughts I've learned recently. That it's okay. Thoughts are something I can't necessarily control. I can't control what's going to pop into my mind. But the more we practice things like this and the program and my meditation, more of that light comes into play. Yeah, uh, I've had that in mind too.
1: The thoughts and thoughts and feelings—you can't really control what comes up. You can set your Set yourself up for having, having some more helpful thoughts than others and some better feelings than others, but still there are thoughts and feelings that are going to come up that, that you don't like. Can't control that, but I can do a better job of controlling my responses to those thoughts and feelings. If I feel angry, if I have some judgmental thoughts or get in a negative thought loop, Then, like you said, the meditations and things like that help me realize when I'm in those and I can put a break on a little pause between those thoughts and feelings and my responses to them. I guess another way to say it would be changing from reacting to those thoughts and feelings to thoughtfully responding to them. That's what I'm trying to get more into. Kind of ties into the last line of the first verse or the first portion of the 10th in Stephen Mitchell, can you step back from your own mind and thus understand all things? And that that's another one that seems counterintuitive because how do you understand things? Well, you understand them by going into your mind. What are my thoughts about these things? What are my opinions? What are my judgments? What are my criticisms about them? But the more I have those thoughts about something, the less I understand it. I'm just focusing on my own perception of it rather than the thing itself.
2: Yeah,
0: unless we learn to step back, we can't see those things clearer, can we? Now, what I've learned to do differently when I do step back, I just uh, try to allow myself to feel the feeling or even when it's, anger. I have learned that if I allow myself to be angry for a moment, it dissipates. It goes away. Instead of hanging around all day, when I resist it, it, it it's like pushing that beach ball under the water. Mm-hmm. The more you push it, the more it pushes back. And I learned that from uh, David Hawkins, Letting Go, The Pathway to Surrender. Excellent book. Uh, taught me how to deal, and some of that dealing with grief, dealing with anger, dealing with any emotions that I have. I just tell myself, "Hmm, I'm angry at such and such right now.
2: Hmm."
0: Just sit there with it, let myself be angry for a second, and it just starts leaving almost immediately. Mm -hmm. When I used to sit in that all day long,
4: Dennis, Yes, there's really so much meat on this thing here. I, I really like, and if you pay attention, the first line on the first verse ties together with the last line. First, can you coax your mind from its wandering and keep to the original oneness? Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Not in my daily doing, but when I meditate and I learn to observe my thoughts instead of identify with them, if I do That is the beginning, I think, that I don't identify myself with my own thoughts, that I can actually uh, just observe them and then get into my true self that comes further down. And then it asks, can you let your body become subtle as a newborn child? And I got to go to your interpretation on that body because you're right there. Can you allow yourself to place you? can you allow yourself to come to a place of full dependency like a newborn child yeah and that means can i give myself to that god i don't understand completely like a newborn child is uh, dependent on its parents so that's that's another way of surrendering and can i cleanse my inner vision until you see nothing but the light uh, can i find my true self i think is what my true inner self and can I <laughs> And can I love people and lead them without imposing my will? That becomes hard, doesn't it? <laughs> I want to have things done my way. That's interesting. But it really is. It is all about letting go, right? Surrendering, accepting, and letting go and, and, and just have the the world as it is. And then I like the way it ties it back again to, to the first one. Can you step back from your own mind and thus understand all things? And, and that's that's pretty much the same as as the first line i think right and um, it reminds me of of the chakra meditation where, where you have the six chakras is knowledge in between the eyes and the seventh one is where you're letting go of, of your own understanding your intellect because that's that is that god understanding that i don't understand because it's beyond my intellect right it just is and it's all love and we're right. all connected that's that's what i get out of that what a wonderful reading. It's really good. That was all, guys.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And
0: that last stanza just says it all for me and Stephen Mitchell. Giving birth and nourishing, having without possessing. Anything I have, I want to possess.
4: It is mine. And I don't want to share. Heck yeah. Don't you remember that I was a speaking with Ralph White and he said, I have these money, but I can't manage them. And whose money is it? Yeah. And one from the audience saying, it's God's money. Said, no, it's not God's money. This is my money. <laughs> God don't need any money. This is mine. So, yeah, that's interesting.
0: <laughs> and in reality, when you think about it, Dennis, we really, can we really own anything when we die? What are we taking with us?
1: Nothing. We're we're just temporary caretakers.
0: There's a quote from one of the Gnostic books of the Bible. I think it may be the, I don't remember, book of Peter, some of the Philip, some of those that are not in the New Testament. And the disciple asked Jesus, he says, how, I think the question was, how can we find peace? And what Jesus told him was, abandon the works that do not follow after death, Hmm. which makes perfect sense and fits perfectly with this. Mm
4: -hmm. Which is all material goods, right? All everything, that's time and matter, material stuff. Can you let go of all that that we get so attached to?
0: (laughs) And one of those things that we find when we start on this path, for me, the drive to make money started diminishing i don't know if it's been that way for y'all yet but it will be if you stay on the path
1: it has been for me
4: yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it i actually have a question regarding that buddy i it's funny that you're bringing it up it must be one of those god things i don't understand because i would really want to know what makes you because you made a pretty decent living in realty, I know that. Yes. And, and going from that, we've talked about this before to know, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to write every day. And there's just something inside of me that says, I'm going to write and I'm going to write some spiritual things and I'm going to do that. what was it? Was it an instant thing or did it come slowly where you move towards that? Because you gave away a lot of income for you just to start writing and say, this is going to be it. And I'm going to focus. Most of my time on this,
0: it was gradual, but I had to get disturbed. I bought a lot of foreclosures, and I would go into a foreclosure we were looking at. We at the time we would look at a couple of hundred foreclosures a month, literally. And I'd walk into a house, and there'd be a third grader's work on the floor. I said, "Man, I'm getting tired of making my living off of other people's misfortune," and it started with that. Just little digs, little, if, if that makes sense. And then that, just little disturbances. And then I started realizing, it, it's just waking up, Dennis, really.
2: Hmm. It's a
0: waking up process for me. I was waking up to the fact that all these things that I spend the majority of my time doing are irrelevant. When I'm on my deathbed, let's say I live to be, I don't know, let's say I live to a ripe old age, and I have my children and grandchildren and all all that picture of all of that, right? At that moment, I would not say, hmm, I wish I could have bought one more foreclosure. No, I'm not going to. I wouldn't say that. I wish I would have flipped one more house or had one more rental. No, that's not what I would be thinking at that time. I'd be thinking more of, I wish I could have spent one more day with my grandchildren or whatever the case. It would be more of those things than it would be material things. But I think that's just part of waking up to that. I I think it's that way for everyone, Dennis, That Mm. but we just have to wake up to it. And for all of us, that's at a different pace. I still have to make money. I'm still working now. but. I know that I have a desire to put that aside entirely and not have to do any work at all. So I can spend the majority of my time writing and doing stuff related to service, but but it's a process. We can't just make a decision one day. I'm going to quit all that and do this because we're not, I'm not designed to do that either because I still have some fear of financial insecurity. So I find myself grasping at work at times because I see dollars in accounts going down. I'm like, oh, I got to do something about that. And then I, wait a minute, I've been provided for, why? No, it's going to take care of itself. So that's the way that, you know, I look at it and I'm open and I work. And when something comes along, I do it. And, and if it doesn't, then I know that I'm taking care of it. I'm always taking care of. I can look back in the past and it's always been that way. And and I think the more I take my hands off of it and try to control it, the more of what naturally I need will come to me. And opportunities for business will come to me. One came just a couple of weeks ago. And I said, okay, this is in front of me. I think it's what I need to do. So I'm working on that. And one one's diminishing over here. And I want to get angry because The way it's diminishing, I'm being lied to about it. It's one of those things where I could get angry if I want said, But wait a minute. I want that to to diminish. Why am I getting angry about it?
4: So there's still a struggle, an internal struggle in in, in the shift.
0: I think there will always be a little bit of that, Dennis, until I totally let go of that fear of financial insecurity. I don't know if I'll ever be able to totally let go of that. I don't know. Right now, it's still there somewhat. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where some of those thoughts and emotions come from, was from the fears that we're holding on to as well.
1: And I can say I had an extremely ex- similar experience to Buddy. I, I had a job that, you know, I took because it was high paying. And that was really my main motivation for it. It certainly wasn't the actual work that I was doing because I didn't like any of the work. There was a, a variety of tasks that I did, but I didn't like any of them at all. And the more I got into, especially things like reading Tao Te Ching and listening to Buddy's podcast, when it first came out, I, I was listening to it the second it came out. I had a notification and listened to him and and all the others go through the Tao Te Ching verse by verse like we were doing. And just everything struck me as all of these things make sense and they're the opposite of how I'm spending my time, uh, especially in my job. All of my tasks, everything I was doing was really the opposite of what made sense to me, what I knew I should be doing and why was I doing it just just for the money, really. So that got me thinking about how badly do I need the money? What? What? Can I take a lower paying job that would um, that would give me a better sense of satisfaction? Not only what I'm doing while I'm working, but allow me to do things that I want to do when I'm not working. Because at my old job, when I wasn't physically working, I was having to think about it. You know, I was having to plan what I was going to be doing the next day, just spending a lot of time ruminating and thinking, mulling things over. So. I just had such little time to do what I actually wanted to do, do what felt right do what I was internally compelled to do but buddy was saying there's that financial insecurity uh, and I couldn't just quit my job that second I knew that I couldn't take in just as, as much as I was doing in my life at that time I wasn't going to be able to spend time really thinking about what I wanted to do interviewing Things like that. So I knew I was going to just have to really quit, take some time to myself, figure out what's important to me, look for the right thing, get into that. But I also couldn't just quit because I had bills and (laughs) obligations. And I just decided to save as much as I could for a couple of years until I, I felt like I had a Enough of a little nest egg saved up to get me through what might be a few months without any money coming in. I finally got to that point a couple of months before COVID. (laughs) So I quit right before COVID happened. And then that just, I, I thought I had some good plans laid out and COVID wrecked all those. But that was good because it got me into a COVID-related job that I felt really good about. I was helping people who were who were affected by COVID, and, and that felt so much better than what I was doing before. It paid a lot less, but I set myself up uh, for knowing that I'd be getting paid a lot less and set my life up, set my expectations up for having a lower-paying job that I would actually feel good about uh that at the end of the work day, the jobs put aside, and I can focus on just being a better partner, better neighbor, better relative, better son, better brother, things like that, better to myself. And like Buddy was saying, still have that little financial insecurity, uh, that will never go away. Just you know, things come up. Need a new air conditioner. That would have been a whole lot easier to pay for if I was still doing my higher paying job. But now it's a little bit tougher. Now I have to. Now I have to think about a few things. So that'll always be there. It, it has been gradual, and there was that the one moment when I did finally have to just quit the job and jump into the unknown without anything lined up. Uh, but I'd prepared myself for it.
0: Drew, I made a gratitude list of how I've been taken care of in the past, and that helps me when mm-hmm. I start. If that fear starts taking over, I can look back at the gratitude list and see how I was taken care of. And then I remember what I tell Spots. I had a sponsor one time that was going to uh, court with one of his baby mamas. And he had two different baby mamas and they both took him to court for, I mean, it was just a mess and uh, wanting more money and all of that. And this was ongoing all the time, you know, and he was upset about it. And I said, has it in the past, has it all worked out? He said, yeah. I said, every time he said, yeah. I said, so why do you not think it's going to work out this time? Mm -hmm. He said, he thought for a minute, he says, yeah so why don't you write a gratitude list of how it worked out in the past and then then you'll have that to look at when your mind's going crazy and say oh i see how it's worked out and it can help to center you using the gratitude list and Mm -hmm. so i have several different gratitude lists i have a financial gratitude list i have other gratitude lists that are specific to things and i'm like oh i see how this has worked out in the past Like circumstances that there's, you can't get your head around how all those things would line up to make this happen so that the money I needed was there at the time I needed it, that kind of a thing. It was crazy. I'd get money in that I was not expecting and it would cover what I needed for the week. And if it hadn't come in, I'd have been in all kinds of, there'd been issues. And in the past, and I'm not hand to mouth that way now, but I can look at it, and I, I think I I want to be able to trust, so that I don't have to have it be hand to mouth, because mm-hmm. I think that when I don't trust those things to plenish to the point that I really let go,
2: mm-hmm. does that
0: make sense?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to be able to let go with money in the bank, not wait till there's no money in the bank to let mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Just in case.
0: Dennis, because I think the provision, if it's what Stephen Mitchell said here, having without possessing, if I have to run out, if I have to let things get dire before I really
4: let go and
0: surrender, or can I surrender before they're dire?
4: It's too late if, if you do it when it is. No, I agree. I don't know it's then late. you're kind of forced into the situation, right? But you're but – isn't that the way we came in with our
0: addictions though
4: yes yes totally
0: we, we we it it was to the point that dire point that we had to let go why we can let go sooner than that and not let it get to that dire point. I think that's the whole idea of acting without expecting, having without possessing, leading without controlling. I can let go with a hundred grand in the bank. Or I can let go with zero in the bank. Which am I going to do? I got to let go either way. That's true. And the sooner I let go and live in that living in letting go, then it can just take care of itself. If it's there, if not, it's not, and it'll find its way. That's my, the, the way I want to live now. I, I don't want to have to wait till things are dire to say, okay, I'll stop. I'll,
4: I'll get out of the way. No. Uh-uh. I, I get it. I, I'm having the same struggle I, I, I do because I could go, go out there and get a, a, a job easily right now. However, I'm, I'm also, I, I was forced into to actually look and I've never done this before, I actually praying for Bernie, my wife. What makes her happy? Because we went through this through my last relapse and that. And and it's funny because I didn't even use my account for those months. And now I tried to get into my account and I couldn't even remember the password because I haven't used <laughs> it in a couple of months. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because it's all just been Bernie's again. And then I have that. And it is always that financial insecurity that hits me that, oh, I have to do this because otherwise it's going to be it's going to interfere with my wife's happiness and, and and these things. And when I'm looking at the fear that is involved with that, in the end of the day, I think it's about me still want to, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose the comfort, right? I'm going to lose the comfort of sitting in a house with AC in the summer. Uh, I'm going to lose all these things if I don't, that, that's where, where the financial things has to come in, right? That, that um, that they, There's some certain needs that need to be taken care of. And us, there's in a relationship. That's what I'm saying, buddy. You can let go of everything. You don't only have you and your dog right now, right? <laughs> but when you are in a relationship, you have to consider your partner as well. What are their needs, right? So, so it, it does have a little bit in that.
0: Dennis, if your motivation could move from... What must I do to keep my wife off of my ass? (laughs) To, I love my wife,
4: and what could I do to help her? That's a whole different motivation. But that's what happened, buddy. You might not believe me now, but I had a conversation with Pat, and that was where he said, have you ever tried to just pray for what makes her happy? Yes. I did that for two weeks, buddy. Two weeks, barely nothing but meditation and praying for that. And now I'm doing this. And last week, that was why I wasn't on the podcast. I was moving. All I did was moving stuff back and forwards from the garage and that, because I know that there was some happiness uh, for her in that. And I had this, wow, this actually works. However, then when I do it for a week or two, I go a little bit back into, okay, hey, wait a minute. Now she's just buying new stuff and we don't really need new stuff. We need to sell more of this. So that's that struggle where I have to let go of myself and, and it's actually very well described in 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 Mitchell's record. can I can I lead them without imposing my will so that's it. That you or, it.
0: Yeah. or can I be led without imposing my will.
4: Yeah. Step three. Yeah. Where and, and that's it it's so interesting. And my new sponsor, he makes me and this is some A-lingo for you. Page sixty to sixty three is is the third step where we learn to go from being in in charge of everything to give yourself up to that power that I don't understand, and and it's so interesting. So he made me read it ten times in present I form, just so it resonates. And now he also wants me to read it off from my spouse, Bernie. <laughs> but it is. It's really a humbling experience because it describes me to the T. I always want to go in, and I guess that's where we're going to those financial insecurities again, right? Because we still want to. If we if we think we're possessing, it's coming from fear,
0: I think. Yeah, yeah. having without possessing, Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's a process. I think we can eventually let that go, and it's like the ninth step promises where. We It says we suddenly realize God's doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. It's that same idea that we see it after the fact. We're just going to realize that we're not doing that anymore. Oh, I'm not thinking about that anymore. Oh, that kind of a thing. Hmm.
1: And I've also looked at the having without possessing as uh, relating to, to my own thoughts, my own opinions, my own convictions if i'm having really strong convictions or beliefs about something really strong desires really strong uh, ways that i identify myself self beliefs and i possess those things i don't want to give those up i don't want to give up uh, my opinions my beliefs my convictions my judgments my criticisms of things if i must have those must be right those must be true then that just separates me from from everyone else, really. It it doesn't allow me to be led. It doesn't allow me to give up.
0: Doesn't allow things. you to lead either, Drew.
1: No. No. Uh,
0: I remember when I started realizing that I did not have to share my opinion about
1: everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, that was hot for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or that I didn't need to have an opinion about anything.
2: Ah, uh, I
0: still have it, Drew. I just don't share. It. <laughs> <laughs> still there, trust me. But I just don't share. I'll be in a meeting sometimes, and I won't share because uh, I ask myself: Is what I'm going to say going to add to this meeting, or is it just me pontificating about blah blah blah?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I could pontificate on any subject pretty much if I really wanted to. And I've learned not to and wait until near the end of the meeting. And if what I was going to share had not already been shared, then share it. But mm-hmm. I hear people in meetings share the same thing that someone else just shared. I'm like, why are you speaking? You
2: know, mm-hmm. it's
0: not necessary for us to hear this from you. And then I have to, that's them. I just step back from it. Not participate in that in that criticism, but we're all where we're at, yeah, and also I've learned I don't have to I used to make it every conversation I would have to add in an ex- example for like I'd have to insert myself into every conversation uh-huh. it was like oh you got that story why don't you you need to hear mine listen to this
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Uh, and I've learned not to do that as much. I will still do that. I'll catch myself doing that sometimes, but I've learned, especially around people I'd like to impress for some reason, someone who that doesn't happen as often as it used to, but I still have to watch it.
4: Isn't that amazing though? That brings me back to my, sometimes we want money so we can buy stuff just to impress the people we don't like. that's a big part of the human psyche, I think, isn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, because the people who like us are going to like us no matter what we have.
4: That's true. That's very good, Drew. I like that.
0: I have a friend that bought uh, a Maserati, and he soon sold it because everyone started treating him differently because he was driving a very nice car. And he said, I, I didn't like the way people were looking at me. You know, I like the way they, he said, it wasn't, I just, I bought the car used. It wasn't that much. It was like 50 grand. was like he paid 150 for it. And he said, I sold it because I, I didn't like the way everyone looked at me when I pulled up. Like it was, I was something special or whatever. He said, he started getting paranoid about it. So he sold it. I understand what he's saying.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that, it that you kind of false, false friendship behavior, you can say. You, he, he has something. I must, if I make friends with him, I might be a part of something bigger. Yeah. In in, in that materialistic world. Yeah. Um, I that, that's, think. That's why I like going to this meeting I go to on Sundays
0: over uh, at the Kusa Club in Rainbow City because, They don't know I wrote anything. They don't know about the podcast. I'm just one of everyone. And I don't say anything about anything. So I can just be a part of. And I really enjoy that because there's no no pedestal stuff. I don't have, they don't expect anything from me. So I enjoy it. I enjoy going to the meeting over there and just what being another bozo on the bus, as they say of acting without expectations. That's a tough one.
4: Wynn has tried to pound that into me every time we talk, right? So that means I just do the next action. I remember this clearly. This is a good story. Uh, of course, dealing with Wynn's firewood has always been on on, on, on my list to do up there, right? And, and I remember uh, uh, cleaving his firewood and... Uh, And I told him, man, I had such a good day yesterday. I'm trying to figure out what I did that made my day feel so good. And he says, stop. We don't do that. We don't do our actions with an expectation to that that if I do this, things is going to be better. And that is what that says to me. I'm just acting to do the next right thing, not for me to have benefits of the outcome. Right. Chich Nathan has this beautiful saying is that we do our dishes to do our dishes. We don't do our dishes for us to go in and drink tea afterwards. Now, this fancy guy is a tea drinker. I drink coffee. (laughs) But sometimes we do our chores just to get to a means of end, right? Just to get rid of it so we can go back to do what we really want to do. And I still get caught up in that. I'm selfish.
0: Yeah. Okay. I might have just had a light bulb flip on. Acting without expectations, could you say instead just being where your feet are and staying in the moment rather than doing something and not being present and being in what this is going to produce instead?
4: Does that Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I, I know this, uh, even with my my uh, my therapist, and that I, I suffer from um, what do you call that? Anxiety, and, and I wouldn't see it for so many years. I was in denial about that, like I was in denial about my drinking and all the other stuff, right? But but really, that is what I'm doing when I'm acting towards a goal, and that goal becomes more important than this present moment. Then I'm stringing away from this moment and I'm going in towards the future. And there's always uh, anxiety in the future of how is things going to turn out? Because I really don't know.
0: Because when we do something, w- there's going to be an outcome of what we do. I- I've always, I've, that's another one I've put on the shelf. Like I don't quite understand what acting without expectations really means. But maybe, thank you, Dennis, maybe I understand a little more of that now. I knew it was not that we did not expect a result because there's hmm. always a result from an action. Hmm. But it's being present in the action that we're doing.
4: Yes. Mm-hmm. Standing on what's moving. Remember that saying? That's is that, how, how is that saying, is buddy, that you That's use so good. much? That's think, what's already I'm, Yes. That's exactly what it is. I think the goal might be the one that causes the action and that, that you have an idea about it, but then you got to let go of, of whatever that is and come back to just enjoying the the, the the enjoying life which can only happen in this moment and and so, that's the one that gets you there, right? So whatever's coming up
0: from that, we can be present with it too. So this that's really about being present. Is what acting without expectations is what you're saying.
4: Yeah. Which is what all this is leading us to. All this is leading us to being present in this moment. The whole. Everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's all we really got. That's God all we is have. Now. That was the devotion I was working on last
0: night that I put out this morning. That I heard someone in a meeting, Sarah, say that God is now. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. What did God tell Abraham? He said, "God, Abraham, Moses asked him, "said who who are you? He didn't know who God was. He said, who's sending me back to Egypt? I am. said, tell him I am sent you, which is now, present moment. Yeah. And then when we love and we do any loving kindness or compassionate act, what does it do? It brings us to the moment. We can only do that right now.
4: That is. And that's where the awareness and the consciousness and all that comes in. That's why, I, that's why I get the anxiety is when my mind is straining towards the future, right? That's, I don't know. My mind is way too small to be out there by itself. <laughs> I gotta bring it back in. So I see my mind as being this fly fisher. So I put it on the hook and I'm constantly going back to the past and into the future and back to the past. But really when I'm right here, that's when I'm I'm serene, and that's where these tools that 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 I I read in, in step tip can I do these things? Can I observe my mind instead of, of of being attached to it? Can I do these things, and just be okay with what is? And then I can learn to be okay in the storm when whatever is hitting me, and I don't get upset about it. That's the lifelong practice for me. That's uh, that's interesting. I think we talked uh, Justin out of it. Is that he disappeared? Uh, he had to go to the little league
0: game, little league tryouts with his son. He uh, So he had to head out. Saturdays is a tough day. We're all in and out. I missed last week.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, and by the way, anyone that would like to join us, we meet Saturdays at 9 a.m. Eastern. You can email me at info at org, or you can go to uh, join our Facebook group by the same name as the podcast. and We have a private group, and we post things there any other comments guys that's been this has been a good conversation thank you thank you
1: um, just on the acting with no expectations one one way that i consciously try to put that um, in into my life is just to get exercise and see people socialize i like I'm uh, going to rec centers in my neighborhoods, playing pickup games. Usually it's pickleball and volleyball. Those are the two things that i found I really enjoy. And when I can get in the mode of just playing them for the enjoyment of it, rather than trying to win, you know, the, the expectation of winning, I, I must win. I need to win or the expectation of impressing people. I, I want them to think that I'm uh, one of the best players here. Anything like that. If I can just go and play for the sake of playing, enjoying it, having fun, take my mind out of it, just enjoy the present moment, not worry about even what the score is or anything, not worry about what my playing partner, what my teammates are thinking about me at the moment. If I can just go and have fun, then I do. Um, but if I show up to something like that and think, I'm, I must win. I, I can't stand losing. I hate losing. Um, I used to be, I used to be very competitive like that. I did not want to play anything unless I really knew that I was going to win. I was a pretty sore loser. And of course, when I play with people like that now, and I still get in that mode sometimes, especially when I'm playing against somebody who's really competitive, that makes me really want to beat them. But if I can just step back, step away from that, then I see that the people who are there who really want to win—that's what their goal is. They they want to win really at all costs. Though they're not fun to play with, mm-hmm. I, I don't enjoy playing with them. I I try to avoid playing with them if I can. I try to seek out the people who are there just to have fun. Of course, we all play to win, but. At the same time, sometimes I'll voluntarily play against this 85-year-old woman who shows up. She just had a hip replacement. This is pickleball. And I don't play to win against her. My goal is to just have as much fun with her as I can, hit the ball back and forth with her as much as possible because she loves it. She has a ton of fun with that. And if she ends up paired up against somebody who wants to win. They can beat her really easily, but it's not fun for anybody. I don't even know why, how it would be fun for that person. So just showing up to those things, going to a game night with friends, and just remembering the purpose of it is to have fun, enjoy the process. Winning is really incidental. Um, I'd much rather be a happy loser than an unhappy winner. and. I see that all the time, people who – and I've done that. I've been an unhappy winner because I cheated or did something dirty or bent the rules or just by some means I did win, but I didn't feel good about it at all. I'd rather feel good about myself by losing than do something that makes me feel bad, but I won.
4: Okay. That, that will- it would have been hilarious though if if you really just smashed an old lady out of the course and then you and you really just beat her, and you give it the best and she doesn't get a table in there and then after that you just look at how do you like them apples <laughs> and this old lady just sitting there. <laughs> yeah I could see that no that's it's interesting you say that because I actually remember that from when I was a little kid we had this playground where we can go up and there was this older lady very uh, older lady that could hardly walk and she taught me how to play ping pong and it was just not about smashing it up but I like that thing, just getting the ball back and forth it mm-hmm. and have that mm-hmm. and I learned that when I play with my wife, it was actually better to try to give her an easy ball so she could return it yeah. and then you get that place. so it becomes, you have an interconnection instead of playing against each other for there of course right. there is something fun in about competition, right, but there is something mm-hmm. else in there where you can just Try to get the ball back and forward. I love that. Yeah, yeah playing, yeah, playing with
1: each other instead of against each other.
0: That's good, Drew. Thank you for that example. That's a very good example. Yeah, I was just thinking this morning. I just started playing pickleball with some guys, and I was just thinking this morning. I said, I need to get over early so I can practice my serve a little better. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just starting. I used to play a lot of ping pong and mm-hmm. tennis, and I said, and this is the in the middle kind of thing. And I'm like, and I said, I need to get over so I can work on getting my my serve down a little better. I said I'm gonna go over early and practice so I can beat them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, thank you. I needed that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's hard to keep at bay, though, isn't it? For us competitive people that are that want to win everything in my mm-hmm. life, when the past has been win. Why do it if you can't win? Uh, I'll use the example of the pinball machine. You walk up to the pinball machine when I was a kid, you don't play, you read instructions because the goal is to play the goals to get the high score. Mm-hmm.
4: You know? <laughs> but it's just so funny to me to see somebody where you beat somebody that's way lower than you in, in your rank and you just go all in. And even after that, you do that old Icky Woods victory dance after that on top <laughs> of and You just go on <laughs> <and> celebrating. <it. laughs> and this one's just what a freaking idiot. And I don't think there's something bad in healthy competition in that, but you also have to have that humility of man, I'm just I'm really just happy that I can enjoy this game. And there's
0: a middle ground there, Dennis. Yeah, yeah. right. We're not we're away from the extremes with this. There's Mm -hmm. a middle ground where and we start knowing whether our motivations are coming from a place of self or a place of selflessness. Ah. I've got a guy that we play pickleball with that's an amputee. And if you hit things way away from him, he's not able to get to it. But, man, he has got a spin and a half. (laughs) And he will put it at your feet all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, so what is it? Do I hit it away from him? Or what's the right thing for me to do here? I prefer him just to be on my team because he will win. Right.
4: Because people hit things to him instead of away from him. And, man, he'll just pop it back. What are you telling me, buddy? You got beat in pickleballs with a guy with only one arm and no
2: legs?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Not that bad. Anything else,
0: guys? Before we close, been a good conversation today. I have some good takeaways. All right, my friends. Y'all have a great weekend. And if I don't talk to you, you, I hope I see you guys next week.